I'm delighted to have Loop as our sponsor for today's podcast. And I honestly love this product because I need it so much in my life. And if you are listening to this podcast, you may be aware of noise sensitivity and the connection with ADHD. Also with misophonia, which is where you can hear people chewing or eating quite loudly. And it is debilitating. And I suffer from this. And so for me, um, loop earplugs have been a game changer because no longer having to hear all of these sensitive noises and this hypersensitivity when you are trying to concentrate or you're trying to work. And I only had this the other day, I was sat next to someone who was breathing so loudly that I couldn't listen to the actual talk that I was meant to be listening to. And all I could hear was the breathing. And I wished I had my loop earplugs then because um, if I had, I know I would have been able to concentrate and focus better. And so it really is something that many of us um, deal with ADHD and sensory overload. The link is real and noise can be a major trigger. And for people with ADHD, it can be harder to concentrate and socialize. So if you are struggling working in a busy office, if there's music in the background, if people are chatting, I would highly recommend using loop earplugs for this because it helps reduce our anxiety and stress because if we can't work, we can't concentrate and we are feeling triggered and we're feeling overwhelmed when we are in this situation and we may have to leave the um, room, we may have to work somewhere quiet quieter. And especially if you are listening to this and you're doing exams or you have are having to work in an, an environment that really matters to get this detailed information out there where you have to concentrate and focus. And it is also difficult when we can hypersensitive to lots of noise with decision-making and processing the information. That's exactly what happened to me when all I could hear was this person breathing really loudly next to me. I wasn't processing the information that I needed to. So what I love about loop earplugs is that they understand ADHD, they understand misophonia, they understand these hypersensitivities, and they specifically have different earplugs for it. So they have one called Experience, which is great for music and events, just dimming the, the noise down, the background noise down slightly. And they've also got something called the Loop Engage, which is good for conversation. So say someone is, the voice is very loud. It could be really off-putting and difficult to engage and communicate. So if we've got our Loop earplugs in, it really does help. And especially in sort of social gatherings, if there's background noise and lots of conversations going on and it can feel really overwhelming. And very often, you know, we want to leave those social situations because it can just feel too overstimulating. So you may also be a parent. And if you are a parent, there's a very high chance you've got an ADHD child in the mix. And we do know about ADHD children, they can be quite noisy. There's lots of energy, lots of stimulus, and they tend to be very sort of loud and noisy and energy. And for us as adults with ADHD, that can be um, really difficult. So I would highly suggest you head over to Loop Earplugs and I have a, a discount code for you. I'm really excited um, to be able to offer this to you. It's 10%. So if you head to the show notes of today's podcast, you will see, you just click on that link and it will take you straight through to the 10% discount. And then you'll be able to see the different Loop Earplugs, which are right for you and you can make a decision. But if you click on the ADHD section on the Loop website, 
it will give you more information. Or if it is misophonia that you are wanting more help with, they have a whole section on there. So it's a really fantastic website that really helps you understand where those noise sensitivities are and which earplug to help you with. So just head to the show notes of today's episode and you'll see my loop discount code and link there. Now back to today's episode. Welcome to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef and I'm a wellbeing and lifestyle coach, EFT practitioner, mum to four kids and passionate about helping more women to understand and accept their amazing ADHD brains. After speaking to many women just like me and probably you, I know there is a need for more health and lifestyle support for women newly diagnosed with ADHD. In these conversations, you'll learn from insightful guests, hear new findings and discover powerful perspectives and lifestyle tools to enable you to live your most fulfilled, calm and purposeful life wherever you are on your ADHD journey. Here's today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef and I'm so delighted to have um, a very exciting guest on today. It's Elise Gendron and Elise, you may know her on Instagram and she hides behind the incredible Instagram account called the Mini ADHD Coach and the Mini ADHD Instagram account has about 575,000 followers. I don't know what you are on YouTube or maybe TikTok or anything else, but I just know to have over half a million followers on Instagram is incredibly impressive. And this is all down to your amazing doodles, your depiction of ADHD through illustration and pictures and being able to help people understand themselves better through such simple mechanisms, but so profound. And you are now promoting your first book, which is so exciting, the Mini ADHD Coach book. I've got lots of notes in there, but this um, is what we're going to be talking about today. So Elise, well done and welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kate. Uh, that's a, such a lovely introduction and uh, yeah, you're so sweet. And yeah, it's, 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 it's so good to, to be here with you for my first ever podcast. It's really a pleasure to be able to, to share some, some ADHD things with you and uh, I'm sure we'll have very lovely conversation today. I hope so. And, and listen, you know, I'm just sort of reading here um, that you were diagnosed at 29, but you knew that you didn't fit the usual sort of um, ADHD stereotypes. Can you tell me a little bit about what you think those stereotypes are and how you presented with your ADHD? When I first really discovered ADHD, I tried to look at the symptoms and everything. And, you know, I related a lot, but at the same time, I felt like I wasn't, yeah, really struggling enough. I felt like I wasn't really allowed even to really think that I could have ADHD because I was doing okay with my profession, I guess, even though I had quite a, a bumbly, uh, you know, journey. Uh, and I was doing okay with, you know, social aspects. And I really did okay in school too. Uh, never did a lot of efforts. And, you know, so I wasn't like a complete mess. But at the same time, I felt like I was 
always not really far from completely drowning, you know, in chaos. So, and, and this position, feeling like I manage things, but at the same time, you know, it cost me so much to be able mm -hmm. to manage everything. And it was really this complicated position that really made me take so much time, you know, to really feel allowed even to just accept that I could have ADHD and, and really ask for an assessment in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I totally relate to what you said then because I also had a little bit of imposter syndrome about, oh my goodness, you know, I'm not drowning, I'm not struggling on like a, a massive level. But like you said, I knew that there was something that was exhausting me and everything felt hard work. Like I always kind of like compare it to sort of swimming upstream, like just feeling like there's something extra on our back that we just couldn't quite, you know, understand. Um, so I totally relate. And I think a lot of other women will relate to that, that there was just something maybe like a barrier in the way, like this invisible barrier that we just couldn't articulate. And I think what you do so beautifully on your account, your Instagram account, but also in your book is you have this way of giving your personal observations, your personal experiences in the book. And then, you know, you sort of map it out a little bit so people can really relate to it for themselves. And then you give advice. And that's what I love, you know, so much because this book, if a lot of people can't um, afford coaching, they can't afford therapy, um, or they just need lots of visualizations. I think this is what it does really, really well. And so it's the kind of thing that I would have on my bedside table and just kind of open, have a little flick through. Something might just stay in my head, uh, a little piece of advice, a little nugget of whether it's organizing, whether it's like a mental health thing, whether it's just a little hack to get through the day better. And you can't underestimate the power of something like that because if one thing helps you get ready quicker in the morning, that means you start your day better, it means you have a better day at work or with your kids, that's a huge amount. That's that's really taking, you know, the edge off for, for many people. So I don't want you to underestimate the power of a doodle and an illustration. I mean, I'm so interested to how you thought, right, I'm going to start this account is illustrating is, is drawing something that you were doing before um, and what possessed you to start with a social media account? I always been quite creative and artistic and uh, so the first thing I did after high school was to get into the fine art school and I stayed there for two months <laughs> so I, I really <laughs> Uh, Red flag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, when I, I understood that nobody will check if I really got into the classes, I think, you know, I just think getting out from uh, so many years of high school and having such a structure and then, you know, you go to uh, an, a fine art school like that and, and they are quite like, yeah, um, you're free, you're really free to do whatever you want. So I did whatever I wanted and it was not going to school. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was, um, I always, you know, doodled and draw, um, especially in school, in high school. Yeah, I really like to try new creative stuff all the time, you know, really ADHD fashion, uh, trying new yeah, new hobbies, new creative things. And I had an Instagram account about that for my creative adventures. And I, 
it, it was an Instagram account that that I used to share. Um, one time it was about painting, and then I did a lot, um, a bit of um, embroidering. Mm. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> embroidery, <laughs> and um, so it it was you know just a little account. I had like a few hundred people there that follow um, what I did. It was really mainly friends from this um, arty community on Instagram, and. So I got my assessments and I got my, my ADHD um, diagnosis and uh, it was in 2020, uh, right in the middle of the pandemic. And at, the f at first I felt really relieved, you know. Uh, I remember getting out of the psychiatrist's office with a smile on my face and feeling like, like everything would be so amazing now. And the few days that followed this, I felt extremely depressed. It was really hard because, yeah, all of a sudden I had this answer that I waited for a long time, but it didn't really change anything. And it made things worse. My symptoms were worse. And also we were all confined. It was complicated. So, yeah, I felt pretty bad. So I just drew something it was just a little doodle and you can still see my, f my first post if you scroll for hours and um, it was just this little character and she was just saying i have adhd and it's okay and i think i made this post and i said that because i don't think i believed this at this at the moment i posted it because i felt so bad i thought maybe i wouldn't be able to achieve anything to, yeah, um, I was sad. <laughs> I was really sad. And so I just posted this, you know, on my Archie account. And a few people commented on it and told me that they have ADHD too. And I don't know, it just clicked a bit. And so in the next few days, I decided to try to post a few doodles and and yeah, just to have fun, you know, uh, talking about ADHD, but also have fun with creativity. And uh, and I also really wanted to start conversation about it because I felt sad, but I also felt really angry that nobody really noticed before, you know, um, because there are some. There are so many signs in my life. I, I spent months um, before this assessment in therapy with another psychiatrist uh, telling me, like, I was complaining about my ADHD symptoms for, for years and he never, you know, told me about it. And so, yeah, I, I think I really wanted also to just talk about it, you know, and I, I remember talking about it in my family because <laughs> obviously I, I knew some people around me that, you yeah, know, should get assessed <laughs> as soon as possible. And now we have quite a few family diagnoses. Mm. And I just, I just didn't want to stay silent anymore. I just, yeah, I wanted to yeah, just just to, to talk about it. And and so I started sharing a few posts like that. And, and you know, it, people really liked them. And, and looking back, I, I can really say that it's really, I don't know if it saved me, but it really helped me getting out of this 
really complicated phase and feeling that I was not alone. Oh, maybe we were all alone, but together. Yeah. You know, especially at this moment. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think you say so right. I think that's exactly what it is. And the reason why, you know, accounts like yours have probably been so successful is that you are opening the eyes of so many other girls and women who have been exactly in the same situation as you, whether it's been medical gaslighting of being dismissed and invalidated, of being told that there's, you know, you're either imagining symptoms or you've got anxiety, you've got depression, take this medication and not really being heard. And so you're sat in a psychiatrist who you are giving a lot of hope and faith, thinking that they're going to help you and diagnose you correctly. And when you haven't had that, you still don't understand yourself. So finally you get this, this diagnosis that finally you know, it helps you understand yourself. Of course, you're going to want to express that in any way that you can. So I think it was probably your way of processing it. And um, yeah, and almost like having that therapy yourself of these are all the little tiny signs and symptoms that no one else picked up on. But now I can talk about them, but also help open other people's eyes. And that's what going through your account, the nuances and all the little tiny signs that are almost hidden to anyone else, but are so profound to us and can be often be very debilitating. And, and I think that's why, you know, your account has probably done very, very well. You know, obviously we can hear that you're from France. Where about in France are you? I'm in Bordeaux, uh, in the, on the West Coast. Okay. So obviously my, my kind of um, experience with ADHD is English speaking. So I deal a lot with the UK, America, Australia, but... I don't really have any dealings with any other European countries non non English speaking. How is ADHD looked at in France? I know you can't speak about other countries. And what's it called in French? Uh, it's called TDAH. Uh, it's TDAH. It's a T D A H. Ah, okay, TDAH. Yeah. So yeah, and 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 yeah, it's basically the same thing. But uh, we are far behind in terms of awareness it's getting better i can see on instagram that because i also have a french account i try to translate my post in uh, in a lot of uh, different languages because i think yeah it's really important you know to give this accessibility to other uh, information not just the clinical stuff that uh, you know you see everywhere but is not really that helpful sometimes we need both i think uh, a lot of people just like me French are uh, consuming English-speaking content and they're inspired to start their own uh, content in French. So the past few years, we saw quite a lot of new accounts and, and yeah, we are starting to talk more about it. And my book will actually be translated to French and will be out in October. So that's, that's great. Yeah, but in France, you know, we have a different, I would say, culture of mental health. Most psychiatrists are doing a lot of uh, psychoanalysis. We don't have really the same approach. And it, I think it's changing. But if you are seeing a psychiatrist that is, uh, for example, 50 years old in France, there is not a, a lot of change that he will talk to you about ADHD or things like that. He will mainly, you know, try to understand your childhood and things like that. But they are quite afraid to label people, I guess. 
So he'll try and explain your childhood, okay? And we know to a point that that's helpful. I hear this a lot from people that they've gone through years, often decades of therapy, and they just go round and round in circles because, yes, we can deal with our past. It's really important. We heal, we release, we feel it. But if that's not changing the present and helping us move forwards and, you know, in the future, then there's something quite big missing in the whole therapeutic care. And to be able to have that diagnosis and say, right, it's ADHD. And this is why you have had lots of jobs, hobbies, partners, houses, you've moved around. Like we need explanations so we can, first of all, forgive ourselves, accept ourselves, send compassion to ourselves but also be okay with ourselves and just be like, okay, this is, you know, and I love this, this element of your book. Um, I'm just going to find it here. You've actually got a whole section on hobbies for people with ADHD. You know, we, there's a lot of shame there. I know it sounds ridiculous, but we can have loads of hobbies. You know, you've really, you've really honed in on this and you're saying other people often misunderstand this behavior and it can bring shame and you've given lots of advice with it. And you're going to quote you here. Growing up, I remember feeling quite bad about being so inconsistent with my hobbies. Now I tend to accept it better as I know it's widespread trait among people with ADHD. Mm. I mean, I was just like, why? Why am I always interested in something? Like really instantaneously, need to research it, go and buy all the stuff. And then literally out of nowhere, it's gone. It's like, poof, out my head. Don't want to go near it. Don't want to see it again. And now I understand it's to do with the dopamine. It's to do with like keeping our brains going, the interest, the curiosity. But before then you feel, I mean, the words I used to call myself was like flaky, um, you know, like inconsistent. I never really get to the bottom. Like, why don't you ever just like see things through? Um, I never get to the point where I'm sort of qualified in something, you know, all these different things. So now, you know, I can understand and you've given, um, I'm going to just read this out. And that's why so many people with ADHD report engaging in new hobbies very often. But because of our brains are prone to boredom, we also often get disinterested in these hobbies quite quickly. And I love what you've done here because this is, I think this is me. You've got a picture of a succulent or a, and that's what I used to do. I used to do like, I literally, that was my business for two years. And then in the middle of the pandemic, just before I got um, diagnosed, I literally said to my husband, I can't do this anymore. And I packed my car up and took it to the, you know, a charity shop and left everything outside mm. the charity shop and said, this is all for you because I'm done. I'm done with it all. And um, that was, yeah, that was a big thing for me because I just didn't understand. So, I mean, did you have that as well? Like what were your hobbies and what, how do you feel now about that? Well, you know, I, I can't give you the, the full list because I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, it's, I don't even want to think about it. But yeah, I, I've always been like that. And I remember um, because as you say, you know, we feel shame about this trade, but I remember also when I was growing up, people and my parents, but, you know, they didn't know better, I guess. They also didn't help because when you have a kid and he started doing something and he's quite good at it, you know, at, you know sometimes, you know, you can be uh, weirdly good at something you just started. And if you see your kid getting bored and wanted to quit this thing, 
of course, it's hard as parents, I guess, to just be okay with it. So you are trying to say, oh, but are you sure you don't want to keep doing it? I mean, you are so good and you know, it, 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 you liked it. And, and yeah, but at the same time, if you are not equipped as a kid um, to understand, uh, yeah, you will just think that something is wrong with you because uh, if it happened just once, you know, it's okay. We all get bored of stuff sometimes, but when you start getting older and I guess, you know, when you are a young adult, it's really, there is a peak, I guess, around 25 when you start to really look back and see all the patterns in your life. And, you know, they're starting to accumulate, really. <laughs> and you're like, okay, maybe there is something here. And you know, it's a shame pile up and you really... And people just are saying little stuff like, oh, but you were so good at it. Why did you quit? When, why did you, you know, why, why don't you try to push through? And, and they don't realize because, you know, they are not mean intended, but they are just touching this scar you have really about your self-esteem because, you know, you you know that you are a quitter, that you are flaky, that you never persevere in everything, in, any, in anything. And, and it's just, you know, as the year um, are advancing, it starts to really hurt, I think. It starts to hurt a lot. And actually, you know, it was one of the main traits I, I asked an assessment. It was this thing I couldn't explain, you know. <laughs> And, and it was not just hobbies, it was also, you know, career path and just, you know, I, I tried so many things and, you know, you have this brilliant idea and, and you are sure that it's your, your new identity. Oh, yes, I'm going to be this whatever profession I, and I'm going to be good at it and, and you enroll in a in a course or something and two months later <laughs> you just it becomes something like yeah you don't want to hear about it anymore yeah. so yeah i think it's really something that i i couldn't explain and that's really the thing that made me pursue well among other things but i think it was a big big motivation to pursue the assessment so I'm just interrupting today's podcast just to give you a bit of an update on the different events and workshops that I've got going on. I don't want you guys to miss anything. So you may have seen on social media that I have an exclusive event with ADHD Pioneer. She's a psychotherapist and author, Sari Solden. She's been on the podcast. It was about a year ago and she is incredible. She's written numerous books, um, but her book, um, which has been pretty much on my desk ever since I started coaching ADHD women, A Radical Guide for Women with ADHD. Is incredible, and I recommend this to so many people who have just been diagnosed. So, when she came on the podcast a few, well, it was a year ago, I said to her, I would absolutely love to do an event with you. And finally, it's happened. So, this is happening on the 19th of October at 7 p.m. UK time. And we're going to be doing a live conversation, interview, but also a Q&A. So if you show up live and you're there, you will get the opportunity to ask Sari anything you want with regards to neurodivergence, ADHD, and really kind of tapping into her knowledge and wisdom because she's seen it all in her 35 years of being a psychotherapist in this area. 
So all the details are going to be on my website, adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk. That's also going to be on today's show notes. Please head to those links and I promise you, you will not be disappointed with this conversation with someone who really knows her stuff and has all the answers, I hope, for anyone that's just starting this journey with ADHD. And also, if you head to my website, you'll get an update on a nervous system four-part workshop that I have created. And this is all based on polyvagal theory. So if you are interested in help with regulating, calming, soothing your nervous system, that you really notice that you live in a very sort of hypervigilant, sympathetic um, state of being in this sort of place where you don't quite feel settled and you want to be able to find new practical tools and daily practices to help calm and regulate, I would highly recommend you have a look at the workshop series and see if it's for you. There's only a few places left. And finally, just to let you know, the hormone series is still going strong. I can't get over how many people have downloaded it. And I'm adding new content right now. We've got two new speakers that are just going in, Kate Shepard-Cohen and Nicola Harker. Nicola is a doctor and she specializes in self-compassion. And Kate Shepard-Cohen created the Menstrual Cycle Support Resource, which is going into over 500 GP surgeries as we speak both incredible women who know their stuff, who really understand the neurodivergent women, the impact of hormones and how we can help ourselves through these challenging times. So all the information is on my website, adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk. Now back to today's episode. What does that, this self, this Elise now, who looks back at her sort of self maybe 10 years ago, and you've now got a, a published book, Instagram account with half a million followers. You're helping millions of people all around the world genuinely like how does that feel now when you does that that negative self-talk still come in yeah of course (laughs) does it yeah yeah definitely um yeah I won't lie uh it definitely helps I feel better uh I have proof that I am not a failure (laughs) yeah (laughs) I can yeah I have numbers I have stuff you know (laughs) So, yeah, I have proofs that I can use in my mind when I'm just, you know, I have this negative self-talk. So I think I I have tools to defend myself against, my, against myself now. So it's getting better. But, yeah, I think it's still, it's still hard because you still grew up with, you know, this vision of yourself. And um, the imposter syndrome is, is, is crazy, you know, it's just no matter how many followers you will have, no matter how many books you will publish with uh, great or uh, incredible publishing houses and, and no, but I think no matter anything, you know, it's just, it's, it's really on yourself to, to be able to build your, your self-worth in your mind and to defend it and to yeah rebuild yourself really because i think the thing is with adhd we can really come to a a moment in in our life where our self-esteem is so low you know so i i know that i'm i'm getting better i'm i'm rebuilding myself but at the same time i i also have a lot of empathy for people who don't have these tools, don't have these proofs that they are not a failure. And I feel that I'm really lucky and I'm really privileged because 
by chance, I was able to do something at one moment that really related with many people and, and then it led to many opportunities. But there are still people around us that are not at this point and are suffering a lot because they don't have, you know, a few years now of, of accomplishment and things that can help build uh, back their self-esteem. And I really, I hear them on my comments, for example, on, on Instagram, I can see that they are really struggling. And, and, and I, I really hope that they will find the things that prove to them that they are not failures. But I can guarantee that they will, you know. And that is really something that is really important for me about uh, awareness is people tend to forget that when you have ADHD or undiagnosed ADHD is even worse, we are at risk of terrible things and being stuck in, in really dark places. And, and I think we have to cheer up people and tell them that they can do, they can accomplish great things even with ADHD um, and, and can really almost help sometimes. As you said, you know, we can, um, we have a lot of curiosity and everything but at the same time I yeah at the same time I always think also about the ones that are still stuck in difficult places and don't don't really have access to this vision of their same self and I think yeah. if I still have difficult moments even though you know I have accomplished quite great things these past few years I can't imagine um, yeah how I would feel if I if I haven't yeah, and I, I totally understand what you're saying because I think when you've got a public platform, you know, lots of people message you um, and I get very similar messages as well. And I try and respond with a lot of kindness and understanding and empathy because everyone's on their different journeys at different times. And, and you know, when you read the messages from people who are just at the very beginning or they're waiting for a diagnosis or they've just had that kind of moment of like, oh my God, like someone's just told me that I might have ADHD. I don't know anything about it, but can you point me in the right direction? You kind of think in your head, oh my God, they've got, they've got quite a long way to go. You know, what we went through, because I, I look back and I think about that whole process of finding out, waiting for the diagnosis, getting the diagnosis, processing it, you know, really going through all my life. You know, that's that was a tough time. That was the, during the pandemic, homeschooling my kids, reliving my childhood, but also seeing my childhood being played out with my own kids at similar ages where my ADHD sort of showed up. And, and so many of us are going, you know, especially women are going through this because we're only just getting this awareness and we've been fobbed off or we've been not even seen and we've been masking so much that no one's even been able to, you know, find out what's gone on. And then something happens and there's women crumbling all over the place who are are needing help. And it does, you know, it, it, what's interesting is that, yes, there's a huge amount of privilege there. There really is, because if you are a white woman, a middle class woman, the access to help is out there. But if you're not, then it's much harder or the communities aren't there or there's a lot of communities who just don't believe in ADHD or don't understand it. They don't want to talk about it. Mental health, they don't want to talk. And so we now, 
you know, through maybe my podcast and maybe your book and your your Instagram accounts, it's giving a lot of people access to information that they would never have been able to, to get. And so I guess maybe what I'm trying to say to you is that I can see that you have this abundance of empathy and sensitivity and you want to help. And it can get really hard at times because it's all all consuming. And sometimes we have to have some boundaries up because everyone's problems and everyone's stories and it gets enmeshed in our lives. And sometimes we need to have like a bit of a wall up, which can feel quite harsh, but to protect your mental health and to protect you so you can carry on helping, we kind of have to have something. I'm still working on this, by the way. <laughs> I need to get, I need to have some answers to this as well. Cause I feel really bad when I get messages from people and I don't respond to them, you know, for a few days or things like that. But I guess sort of, am I right in saying that you are a mother now? You've got yeah. a child. Yeah. How old's your child? She will be one uh, in a few days, actually. Wow. So you've birthed a book and a child in the same year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was pregnant when I when I wrote it mainly. And, and also I did a bit um, of it uh, when she was just born. So... Yeah, the best time, you know, to make a book. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I was going to say, just, you know, because obviously sleep deprivation and having a newborn baby and finishing off a book, was that intense for you? How did you, I mean, I guess, how did your ADHD show up for you during pregnancy, after childbirth? Like, did you notice hormonal shifts for yourself? Uh, actually, you know, sometimes I feel like um, the pregnancy, like, fixed me in a way, mm -hmm. <laughs> hormonally. I don't know why, but I had the most wonderful pregnancy, uh, except the first trimester. I was, uh, <laughs> I was like so tired, but, but it was okay. You know, it was just, um, it was just in the winter. Uh, I just slept for three months. <laughs> so nice. it was okay. And then, you know, I had a really nice pregnancy. Um, I felt great. And, and after, I had a, a, a nice birth too, and yeah, I think it got a bit difficult after that. <laughs> and and I feel like it's like an ADHD diagnosis because you focus so much, you know, when you're prepared on the the main events like getting the diagnosis or giving birth, but you forget that there is something after that that you will have to deal with, and. You know, it's uh, yeah, the, the postpartum part and, and like after the diagnosis, you know, nobody really warned you that it will be the, the really difficult part. You know, it's something else to be a mother with ADHD. Um, it's hard, really. It's, it's awesome, but it's really hard. And um, I think, you know, the shame we talked about uh, earlier, it's, it's really difficult to manage this because... Of course, when you are a mother, you you feel so observed, you know, by everything and anyone, and 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 I think, yeah, just simple stuff like managing, you know, the medical appointments or things like that. You know, it's really important. And when you are sleep deprived, like you never imagine it was even humanly possible to survive, <laughs> and and then you have this. ADHD brain and you have to you know 
take care of this of this beautiful tiny human and you know making appointments and uh yeah like it's it's really important stuff you know you you can't really miss these things and and yeah it's so much pressure but i think in the end we manage we find ways but i'm just at the start of my adventure <laughs> so yeah yeah i mean listen what you what you explain then about having a good pregnancy it's actually sort of anecdotally from what we know i mean i've just um released an adhd women's hormone series and so i'm really going into the intricacies of the hormone impact on adhd and from what we know, the estrogen rises in our pregnancy. With estrogen for us is good. It's like fuels our dopamine. So it's it's typically, you know, good for us to be pregnant. Obviously, that's not, you know, a, a standard. Lots of other people's, you know, are, are different. But then obviously we have this drop in estrogen when we give birth. And that's why very often um, a lot of women with ADHD do suffer from postpartum depression and really sort of, you know, feel much lower postnatally so there seems to be a pattern there and also like you say if we have been managing our symptoms with lifestyle you know with like looking making sure that we've we're sleeping we're eating at the right times um we are exercising we're getting outside all of that goes out the window and then like you say we're not able to really focus on ourselves we're focusing on a small baby with lots of organization that's why a lot of people are getting diagnosed when they become mothers, because all their ADHD symptoms are just like coming up to the forefront, um, you know, like in this sort of extreme startling, like hit you in the face kind of way. And I definitely experienced this. So I can really relate and just send you lots of love and compassion because, yeah, get help. That's what I would say is, is get as much help as you can and don't be ashamed. Do not be ashamed to make sure if you've, hopefully if you've got a partner that they really step up to, you know, step up to the mark. If you can outsource anything that you can afford to outsource, do it. I mean, my mantra is like, don't be a martyr. Don't be a martyr and do whatever you can to stay afloat. And the most important thing is that you love your baby and doing the washing or having a clean kitchen or washed hair doesn't demonstrate love. <laughs> it's like, it's showing it, you know, it's outside sort of societal um, expectations. Yeah. So yeah, I, I wish I'd, someone had said that to me, you know, my son, my eldest is nearly 18 and I had no idea about any of this. And so I look back now and I think someone had just said to me this, I think it would have been easier. But yeah, I mean, I just think what you've achieved with the book and with the um, all the help that you do is is incredible. And I hope that you get some time now to enjoy. And, and I hope the imposter syndrome takes a bit of a back seat so you can really see what you've you've done. Um, now, I don't mean to put any pressure on you, but do you have any other plans or are you quite happy just to sit and rest for a little bit or... Has this book kind of like given you a bit of a kickstart for other things? Well, you know, um, what many people really don't see behind the scene of my social media presence is that there are a lot of people actually, uh, we are a small business and uh, we are developing our YouTube channel. We are translating uh, my post in a lot of languages. Um, we are building websites in every language too. So yeah, there, I don't think rest is really um, <laughs> something that 
I, I, yeah, it would be nice, but, um, and you know, when you have a book coming, you also need to promote it. And so, yeah, I don't think that um, things will be um, less intense right now, but at the same time, I, I think I have a, a weird relationship with intensity because, yeah, I would love to to rest a bit and, and you know, to be able to, to tell to myself, okay, you've done this uh, and you've done that. Uh, maybe you can just enjoy and just sit back and everything. But uh, that's not really the way I, yeah, I'm wired. So we have a lot of things ongoing. And also, you know, I have a lot of ideas and I really like to develop new things. And yeah, so I think it's really hard when you are, um, when you are a content creator or a small business owner and you have ADHD because, you know, you have great ideas that you want to bring to the world and uh, you are often really passionate about it. And But at the same time, you know, you have to execute those ideas mm -hmm. and it's not easy yeah. <laughs> um, because, you know, at first it's great. And then when you have to finalize, you know, the little details, it can, it can get a bit, uh, a bit complicated for your ADHD brain to stay motivated. But as you said, as a mother, we need to learn to get help. And I think as business owners, it's the same thing we need yeah. to. So that's why we have a team um, now that are, that are working with me. So yeah, it's very exciting. Oh, well, listen, I'm, you know, wishing you so much luck and success because you deserve it. And I hope that with all this amazing ambition and ideas and everything, you are taking time to rest because we don't want you to burn out um, because I, I like, I totally get it. You have ideas, you're, you want to create content. And when you're talking about ADHD, you're living it as well. So something happens in your life and you're like, oh my God, I can talk about this. So it's, you're constantly feeding back into the business. And I, I totally, you know, I totally get that you can't quite ever switch off um, because you're literally living your business and you're always trying to, you know, you could just be one step ahead of your audience. So when something happens, you know that that is going to help someone else. So you feel, you know, you have to, I talk about it, you write, draw, write about it. But yeah, I mean, it's just fascinating to talk to you. And thank you for sharing um, a glimmer of behind the scenes of, of the account in the book. Can you tell people how they can find you, what you're offering? Like, what do you have anything going on with your website? Like, what, what services or offers do you have going on apart from the book? So they can definitely find me first on Instagram, but also... Um on my website, miniadhdcoach.com. And um, mainly I offer, you know, a workbook that I, um, that I created a few years ago, especially to help people during, uh, you know, the difficult phase we talked about earlier when you are uh, waiting for your assessments. It was, for me, it was just, you know, such a difficult moment, you know, to live with these doubts. And every day I woke up and I was like, of course I have ADHD. It's, it's, it's obvious, you know, and, and, and at the end of the day, I, I went to bed and I thought, no, I don't, I'm just lazy. And I just, you know, and, and that every day for months. And I really empathize with people who are 
living this moment right now. And that's why I created this workbook that you know, they can use to assess themselves. I um, created description of every symptom, but in a way that it's easier to understand because the clinical lists are sometimes really weird <laughs> and, and really hard to relate to as a grown woman because, you know, they were developed for little boys or things like that. So, and they can also journal um, their memories and it actually helped a lot of people. And, and I also got a lot of feedback from psychiatrists uh, who really like, yeah, this tool for their patient because uh, it's it's a great way to yeah to prepare and to feel just more confident and and yeah to feel like you are allowed really you have the right to wonder if you have ADHD it's okay and and you know it doesn't seem like much but when you are leaving this uh, it can get so so hard you know yeah mm -hmm. this this doubt so yeah yeah. That's mainly the other thing I offer um, besides the book. And also we have this YouTube channel we are building. Uh, so yeah, that's it mainly. Fantastic. Well, I'll make sure that all the links are in the show notes so people can find all of these tools. And Elise, thank you so much for, for being here. And uh, I hope that we can speak very soon. Yeah, thank you very much, Gates. It was lovely. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. I hope you found what you were looking for in this conversation and it has helped guide you towards some further self-healing, self-exploration and most importantly, self-acceptance. And if you have enjoyed this conversation and would like to experience more of my work, such as access to exclusive live workshops and opportunities for group coaching sessions, connecting with other like-minded women, and a general feeling of belonging, please come and check out my monthly membership, the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Collective. I've made it as affordable as possible, and I offer you lots of resources and opportunities for connection and support from other women all around the world being diagnosed with ADHD later on in life. I'd absolutely love to see you there. All the details are in this episode's show notes or on my website, adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk. See you in the next episode.